and welcome to School of Hustle, the show where we chat with everyday entrepreneurs about everything that goes into starting a new venture from aha moments to future plans. We cover it all. This is our first podcast, so we'd like to take a moment to introduce ourselves. I am Sarah Funk, and you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Funky. I'm a YouTuber. I run my own NYC tour company, and I'm a travel host and expert on Travel Leisure and Forbes, and I live and breathe the entrepreneurial lifestyle. And I'm Maxim Martineau, online at Maxim McKay, and I'm a fantasy author, GoDaddy brand writer, and a relentless advocate for entrepreneurs everywhere. Yes, and if you enjoy this episode, and we really hope you do, please subscribe, leave us a review, and tell your friends to listen in. And today, we are fortunate enough to have an amazing guest join us for this episode. We will be speaking with Jason Chang, the CEO and co-founder of Kinos. Now, Kinos is a venture-backed company that's pioneering colorized disinfection to protect healthcare workers, patients, and the general public from infections. And their main product, called Highlight, is a patented color additive for disinfectants designed to improve cleaning and eliminate human error. Jason, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. So in your own words, tell us a little bit about your company. Yeah, so Kinos is based out of Brooklyn, New York. We protect healthcare workers, patients, and the general public from infections. Yeah, and what you're doing right now is amazing. Like, we all appreciate what you're doing to help save the world, literally, at the crazy time we're all in. And your work has been featured in major publications even before this whole situation we're dealing with, like TechCrunch, Scientific American, NPR. And my question is, when you first started out, did you ever think that you would be doing this today? I mean, of course, not with the whole coronavirus thing, but did you expect your company to become what it is today? So we have a really cool origin story. Back in 2014, when myself and my two co-founders were undergrads at Columbia, um, this was the height of the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. So Columbia held this design challenge where they actually brought in nurses and doctors from the field. And one of the really cool things is that we got to hear problems directly from them. And one of the big ones was that ineffective disinfection and human error was literally killing them. And if only there was some way they could see what they were doing. That's really how we came up with the concept of colorized disinfection. So the problem that we're trying to address here is the idea that about half of the critical surfaces in a healthcare setting are not properly disinfected. And some studies have even shown that up to 40 to 80% of infections could be prevented if we had better cleaning technique. What we did to address this problem is we created a patented color additive called Highlight, which is meant to be combined with existing disinfectants that people are already using. So Highlight enhanced bleach, for example, is colorized. So you can actually see where it's being applied. You never miss a spot. And then the color will then fade from colored to colorless. And that will provide real-time feedback of when the surface is safe to touch. So it's as easy as giving to a person and saying, make sure everything is covered in color. Once the color is gone, you've done a good job. And yeah, when we first started, um, it was actually the night of my 21st birthday. I actually almost didn't go to the design challenge. But my co-founder convinced me to go and the rest is kind of history. But I think it's hilarious that this all happened on your 21st birthday, a time when most people are just going out partying. That is just amazing that you're doing something positive for the world in that way. Um, so that's really your aha moment was seeing that people didn't disinfect correctly uh, for the whole Ebola situation. And so I feel like that really applies to today with the whole 
coronavirus situation we're going on now. So if I'm understanding correctly, the highlighting agent is in, you put it in an existing cleaning product and it will work that way. So if someone purchases this, it could be a medical professional or someone that is just like me that we want to clean and just make sure that everything's clean properly. Yes, I can run you through how it actually works. So right now we have a product called Highlight Powder and it's a powder that you'll pour into a bleach solution. So one of the caveats of the technology is that it only works with bleach. We do have ongoing R&D for non-bleach disinfectants like alcohol and quaternary ammonium compounds, hydrogen peroxide and so on. But the idea is that you'll pour the powder into your bleach. Most of our use cases are by medical professionals first responders who have these like two gallon sprayers well they'll hose down you have some great pictures on your site that show exactly how it works by the way so but yeah i mean that, that's exactly how it works i mean then you'll spray down like your vehicles or your ppe or medical tents or whatever you need to disinfect and kind of the cool thing about our technology is that after you add the powder into the sprayer of bleach it'll actually last in the sprayer for about five hours so you have time to actually use the product. Um, but when you actually spray it on the surface, it'll fade in about three-ish minutes, which is approximately the time it takes to decontaminate the surface. Wow. I've learned so much from you already. You have some really good blog posts on your site that show how to actually disinfect properly. Exactly. So bring me back to that moment. You had just uh, kind of come up with this concept for Kinos. So what was the first thing you did to make this this idea become reality? Completely honestly, like our first prototypes were literally just that they were prototypes. We went to Morton Williams to the grocery store, we bought some food coloring and tried putting it into bleach. That didn't work at all. I mean, you know, bleach is a very powerful oxidizing agent. Like if you get bleach on your clothes, it'll just rip the color out. Figuring out how to get a color to last in bleach was actually a big problem. But part of what really helped is, you know, there's a lot of student competitions out there that provide funding to help you get off the ground and do some R&D. We were also super lucky to win a U.S. government grant from USAID. A couple of months after we started working on this technology, we got over a half million dollars from them to do additional testing. We were able to bring the product to Liberia and Guinea, worked at Ebola treatment units. And I think as all startup founders know, you know, there's a big difference between testing at the benchtop in your lab versus actually using it in the field and getting direct data and feedback. And we realized very quickly when we were in Liberia that there were a lot of problems. So what did you do to overcome those type of challenges? Yeah, so one of the big hurdles that we came across was when we we're doing our original research and we we're talking to first responders, we asked them, what is your standard protocol? What are you using to disinfect all these surfaces? And they said bleach. And so here in the US, when you go buy liquid Clorox bleach from you know Duane Reed or CVS, but when you actually go to the field, you realize that there are different kinds of bleach. So in the US, you have sodium hypochlorite, which is liquid, but internationally, they actually use powdered bleach, which is either calcium hypochlorite or sodium trochlocene. And these are actually very different chemistries. I think that was a big lesson for us in terms of what people say they do and what they actually do. There, you know, there are a lot of nuances to it. And we realized that our color fading reaction that we've been developing only worked with sodium hypochlorite and not the other kinds of bleach. So we had to kind of go back to the drawing board and reformulate a bit so that it'd work with those other types of chemistries. I think that for any entrepreneur who's just developing a product for the first time, the most helpful thing to do is get out of your little tinkering bubble at your lab and actually go out and try it and get as much feedback as you can as soon as possible. So I'm curious, did you start with a product or start with a company idea? 
I think we started with a product, began with this design challenge at Columbia, and we started working on a prototype of Highlight. And over the years, the formula has evolved a ton, but we started with the same concept of let's get something that will be colorized in a disinfectant. And then when you apply it to the surface, you can see where it's been applied and then it'll fade over time to give you feedback of when decontamination is done. So that kind of core concept has stuck with us, but the company really started off of that product. Totally. And the name like highlight is very intuitive. It makes sense, right? You put it in your disinfectant, you can see the color change. So I'm just super curious um, as a lover of words, (laughs) how did you come up with the name uh, Kinos then? Kinos is kind of a funny story. Uh, Over Thanksgiving break, we were just like tossing ideas around. We had this like Google spreadsheet and just like kin is longevity, family, next of kin. And then nos is short for diagnosis. When we first started working on the technology, we actually wanted the product to not only visualize coverage, but also diagnose what's on the surface. But over time, we realized that if you're covering everything on the surface and disinfecting it, it doesn't really matter whether you're able to diagnose it or not. The important thing is that you've actually killed it. So that part of our name is no longer relevant. Let's talk about the day that you launched your business. Okay. What were you feeling in that moment? And it could, it, it's not always just one moment. I feel like a business kind of launches over a, a period of time. Were you scared? Were you excited? Can you bring us to that moment? I was actually going to say exactly what you said. It's, you know, there isn't really like a tangible inflection point at which you're like, oh, now I have this business and it's launched. It's more like we had been developing this product, the fire department of New York, we tested with them, which is also kind of a fun story in and of itself, which I'm happy to go into. This was like a month after we had first started, um, you know, again, height of the Ebola outbreak, the fire department of New York was running simulations at two hospitals to prep their first responders and their hazmat team for an Ebola case in New York. I'm not sure if a lot of people know this, but the fire department of New York is actually responsible for transporting high risk patients throughout the city. But we got invited to demo for them. At the first demo, it was so cold that night that the bleach actually froze and we couldn't do the demo. We were in pretty low spirits because we were like, oh man, we definitely just blew our chance. But the chief medical officer turned to us and said, we have a second demo coming up, why don't you come to that? And we thought he was kind of just like being nice to us. But literally two weeks later, the day of, we got a call saying, hey, 7 p.m. Mount Sinai Hospital, be there. And we were like, ah, okay. And it was the night right before this huge organic chemistry midterm. And so between the three co-founders, I kind of drew the short stick on that one. And I ended up going by myself while they were studying for the orgo midterm. And they added our highlight powder to the bleach. And then they sprayed down this hazmat suit that this firefighter was wearing. And you could hear the audience just visibly gasp. And they were like, oh, my God, it's so blue. <laughs> and then the chief medical officer turned to me and said, I want to buy this. How much does it cost? And so that night, I literally sprinted back to the library where they were studying. um, And Catherine, Kevin, and I decided to incorporate a company that night. And we also filed a provisional patent application to actually just build this company. The, The kind of funny part of the story is that the next day on the Orgo midterm, I had no idea any of the material. So I walked out of the class halfway through and everyone looked at me and they're like, oh my God, that guy's already dunting the test. He must have aced it. And I got a 16 out of 100. Okay, but let me remind everyone, or not remind, let me inform everyone, you still graduated from Columbia University uh, with a biomedical engineering degree, and you graduated Tau Beta Pi. (laughs) So, but there's so many other hurdles when running any business. And I believe that in the healthcare industry, I feel like there's a lot more things to consider when starting a business. You have government regulations, 
raising capital. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. I think one of the kind of difficult things about healthcare is that it's a industry where credentials kind of matter a lot and having experience in knowing how to navigate this huge bureaucratic system. And I don't think that we actually would have been able to make any headway if we hadn't gotten that government grant from USAID. Just because, you know, when you're a busy doctor at an Ebola treatment unit, you know, you're not going to take an email from like a 21 year old who has an idea, right? Having an introduction from the US government helps a lot. And that's how we got in touch with our first kind of NGO partners to do the field testing in West Africa. I think that's at least the conception I had going into it. I think, for example, with COVID-19, you're seeing a lot of great examples now where people are sourcing ideas from so many different places and so many schools are having all these design challenges and hackathons to open source ventilator designs and face mask designs. And so one of the things that changed my mind over the years was when we first got to Liberia during my senior fall, one of the things that I regret a little bit from college is that I spent too much time studying. <laughs> but I think there's so much you can learn by doing versus reading. I think reading is very important and educating yourself as much as you can, but just try it. If you read 100 books, but don't ever try anything, nothing will ever be accomplished. I think for a lot of people in college, right, you're stuck in this bubble mentality where it's like, I need to get good grades. I need to finish my homework. I need to be president of a club. Or I need to get like an internship. But when I actually went to Liberia and I was interacting with these healthcare workers, and they were telling me, you know, like, I feel so much safer and more confident using this product. Thank you so much. That feeling of empowerment that we were able to provide to them made me realize that even though I'm young, I don't have an MBA or a medical degree, I was able to impact this person's life. And that kind of popped the bubble for me. And I do think as long as you care enough about something, you can learn everything you need to do. You don't need to have decades of experience in the healthcare field. As long as you are willing to have an open mind and learn as much as you can, you, you can definitely do it. I completely agree with you. I think direct feedback from your customers, whoever they might be, is the most satisfying, fulfilling thing you could ever get to motivate you to do even more with your business. Yeah. One of the things I learned over the years is I think when you're starting a company for the first time, a lot of these awards and media coverage seem really, really important. But I think that there also is a balance. You know, when we first started, we were exclusively focused on like applying all these competitions and trying to get as much recognition as possible. But what's really important is actually the impact that you're able to provide to the people you're trying to help and actually creating a sustainable business. You can look great from a PR standpoint, but if you're not really making an impact, then what's the point of everything, you know? You're actually seeing the impact. You went to the places. You saw how it improved lives. You saw uh, people coming up to you and saying, this is phenomenal. And that is really what people need to focus on, not how they look on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And, and to an extent, same thing with fundraising. Um, I mean, obviously, it's always a huge sigh of relief and it's a huge accomplishment. But in and of itself, it doesn't actually necessarily change the lives of other people. And that's why I feel like, you know, a lot of these tech blogs or other outlets always focus a lot on like amount of money raised compared to how many people are they actually working with. And those metrics are probably a little bit more important in the long run. So let's talk about what you're still learning about. Obviously, you know much more than most people about this specific topic, but 
what would you like to improve about your business this year or in the future? So we, we have this uh, product launch coming out for our second product. So as I described earlier, you know, our first product is Highlight Powder, which is meant to be dissolved in liquids and then sprayed on surfaces. Our second product is really meant to be used with wipes. Most hospitals here in the U.S. use ready-to-use wipe canisters. So if you imagine like a bucket of Clorox wipes, you're just pulling it out of the can. You can't really dissolve a powder in that. There's not enough liquid inside the container. One thing that a lot of people also don't know is that even before COVID-19, one out of every almost 30 people that stay in a hospital in the U.S. get an infection from the hospital itself which is a crazy high number of people. So we built a physical hardware device that we call the Highlight Wipes Lid. And the idea is that you put our lid device on top of your bucket of wipes. And as the wipe goes through our lid, it'll get colorized with a liquid version of our chemistry. So you can use this colorized wipe to wipe down countertops, bedside tables, bed rails, bathrooms, and whatever else is in a patient room that you're trying to disinfect. And we did a soft launch of that product in December at a couple of hospitals that went really well, got positive feedback, and now we are aiming to do a full-scale launch this summer. So we're gearing up for that right now, and we're really excited to be able to make an impact on protecting patients from infections. That's so brilliant. So how do you actually convince those hospitals to start using that product over something that they were already familiar with? That's kind of one of the nice parts about our product is that it's an additive. It's meant to be combined with what they're already doing. So when we go to a hospital, they're using Clorox wipes or PDI wipes or diversity wipes or whatever brand that they're currently using. They can keep using that brand. They just attach our lid on top of their wipe canister and they can start using it immediately. So the challenge for us then isn't so much integrating it into their protocol. It's more on the kind of financial and budgetary side because we are an additive cost. A lot of other products, you know, they replace costs. We have a faster, cheaper way to do it. You know, we'll replace what you're currently doing, but we're essentially a new budget line item for them. So we have the onus of proving to them that the additional money that they're going to be spending is going to be worth it. And we have a number of different value propositions that help justify that cost. Not only have we published peer-reviewed papers showing that we quantifiably improve cleaning technique, which should lead to reduction in infections. We've also found that our product is able to reduce the corrosiveness of bleach on surfaces. So you're preventing damage on equipment and other sensitive surfaces like stainless steel. You mentioned something at the beginning there that I think is so applicable to entrepreneurship in general, regardless of the industry, and that's value propositions. So like, I really want to know like, what tips or advice you have for people, regardless of what they're doing, um, for coming up with a good value prop or even a pitch if that's more applicable to the situation. I think that's one of the things that is probably so fundamental to a new product is you're not creating a product to find a solution, but you've already found the solution and your product addresses that. Um, and I think that it all starts with really getting to know the people you're trying to help. So before we started developing the Highlight Wipes Lid, we spent three months shadowing different environmental services workers at multiple hospitals, really seeing what their day-to-day looks like, understanding where they're struggling. There's a lot of like little things in our device that most people wouldn't care about that an environmental services worker would care a lot about. For example, a lot of people complain right now that the way that the current lids work on the wipes, you know, you pull a wipe out and the bottom of the wipe kind of falls back through and they have to reopen the lid, thread the wipe through again. And that's super annoying. Our lid is automated. So you press a button and the wipe gets fed through rollers. And so it never falls back in. 
And we also have it feed up horizontally because people were complaining that when you pull the wipes out, the bleach splashes on their clothes, on their face. And so, I mean, it's like little things like this that you would never really think about unless you were actually spending time with these people. Yeah, I think the main lesson that people should take from what you shared with us is listen to your customers, look at what their pain points are, and create a product that addresses those direct pain points. And when I say pain points, I mean exactly what you're saying. You know, things like the wipe falls back in, the, the equipment's corroding. So looking at how can I solve this solution, and that will result in a product or a service that will be successful. No one likes to feel like they're being sold to. There's a big nuance between I want you to buy it versus I want to help you. For example, because we've been in the infection prevention space for so long, sometimes people will come to us and ask us just general questions about disinfectants or part of their process. And we're always more than happy to help them with it because everything is really based on trust and relationships. I completely agree. I think if I look at just for my business, where most of my revenue comes from, it's either based off of past relationships, current relationships, or trust of my audience. Other than that, people hate being sold to, like you said. So you have to build that trust because no one will ever want to work with anyone or buy anything from anyone that they don't trust. Definitely. So let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 because that's where we are in this world right now, hopefully not too much longer. But you're in that industry. I would love to know how you're holding up with that. Are you facing any obstacles with your business? And if so, how are you adapting to overcome them? And, you know, as a business in the healthcare industry, I imagine you're being impacted much differently than businesses that are not in that field. So tell us a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected Kinos. Yeah, so one of the reasons we actually developed our second product, the Highlight Wipes Lid Device, was because our Highlight Powder product is very acyclical sales cycle. You know, whenever there's an epidemic, uh, you know, people will reach out to us and, and we'll work together with these partners. But when, you know, everyone is healthy and safe, then it's a much quieter and it's a lot more difficult to sustain the company. And so traditionally, you know, we don't spend a lot of time marketing our highlight powder product. You know, we've already kind of gotten good relationships with all the key players in the field and we know each other. But now with COVID-19, there's definitely a lot of different verticals and fields that we haven't really worked in before that have suddenly become, you know, potential use cases. So, you know, traditionally, we've always been focused on first response, medicine and health. But now, you know, we've sold and delivered product to sports stadiums and we're talking to public transit. Like we've gotten so many inbounds from people who need to clean their office buildings or their Airbnb property, even like one for cleaning cars and a lot of different things that we hadn't previously thought we would be applicable to. Are you having trouble fulfilling all the orders? It sounds like there's, there's a lot more orders than normal. And I wonder how you are able to sustain that given the past supply chain that you had in line. We're definitely uh, working on it right now. It's, it's a work in progress. I don't think many companies in the world were fully prepared for the scope of the current crisis. Also with the hand sanitizer shortage, for example, you know, our plant has the capability to produce that. So we actually just recently produced a batch of hand sanitizers 
which we were able to provide at cost to a local community center. And we're making another large batch going to deliver next week to a couple of other community centers. And we've also made a couple of donations to hospitals for both the hand sanitizers and our highlight powder products. Everyone right now is just, you know, trying to do their best to contribute in any way they can because it's scary. You know, I've had multiple friends who have gotten COVID-19. It's a very serious condition. You know, I don't want to lose someone that I care about. No. So since you're such an expert in this field, could you provide us with some tips on how we can make sure that we're being as careful and sanitizing as much as possible to stay safe during this time? I think the most important thing, as everyone's been saying online and in the media, is just social distancing and staying indoors. I mean, I'm a bit disheartened, like when I look outside my window and I see people walking on the sidewalk um, with no masks on or, you know, and they're just kind of living their daily lives. I'd like to think that most of those people are doing essential tasks like going to the grocery store. But, you know, there's definitely people who are just like chilling in parks and living their lives, which... I think it's a hard balance because you also want to take care of your mental well-being and you don't want to just be cooped up indoors all day. But I, I think a lot of people don't truly appreciate the severity of how dangerous this virus is. You know, being a little bit down and not feeling as chipper is is worth the safety of your, your health. Um, and so yeah, I think the number one most important thing is just, you know, try to stay indoors as much as you can. Basic hygiene is super important. Soap and water really works well. Coronavirus is an enveloped virus, which means that it's basically covered in a layer of fat. Um, And as most people know, when you put soap or detergent on fat, it washes off. That's essentially what you're doing. You know, you're creating a fat soluble layer for the virus to wash off with. And when you mechanically, you know, have that action underwater, it just rinses away. But beyond that, this disease we know is transmitted through surfaces um, or, or can be. And we also know now that it's also transmitted through the air. But with regard to surfaces, using your standard household disinfectants should work. Um, The EPA released this list. It's quite a long list, and most products that you're familiar with are on that list. But the important thing about using a disinfectant is really about the process. People just assume like, oh, I have this disinfectant. As long as I get that liquid or that wipe on there, that's good enough. Uh, A lot of people don't understand that there's actually a contact time with which the disinfectant needs to sit there for a certain amount of time to kill everything. So if you read on the label of a Lysol spray bottle, it says to sanitize, it takes 30 seconds, but to disinfect, it needs to sit there for 10 minutes. That is very helpful. What is the difference between sanitizing and disinfecting? Disinfection is an actual like legal weight behind that. It implies that you're actually able to kill something on the surface. For sanitation claims, you just need to kill three relatively simple pathogens like E. coli, Pseudomonas, and Staph. But if you want to get disinfection claims, you also there's a higher burden of proof on a wider variety of pathogens, and you have to show all of that testing. There's different regulations that allow you to make different types of claims. And have you been educating your community through Kinos on how to sanitize or disinfect, I guess would be a better word, uh, properly at all? Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely watch a lot of friends reach out and that's why we kind of wrote that blog post on our website. And if you go to our website, www.kinos.us, we have a little banner at the top just linking you directly to that blog post. You know, we don't really talk about our product at all. We're not trying to sell you anything, just literally just trying to find information on the right process and procedure to disinfect things correctly. Um, just trying to help out. It's also amazing 
I just want to reiterate that everything you're doing is incredibly amazing and it's important that we continue to support each other even virtually during these challenging times. And the information you're putting out there is super helpful for everyone. We're hoping to release more information in, in the upcoming weeks. When you think about the best way to provide a scalable impact, you know, we're living in a world now where a lot of people have access to the internet and things can be shared very rapidly. So just providing little informational pieces like that we've found is a, a nice way to contribute. So thank you so much. You were so informative. Is there anything else we should know before we end this interview? Yeah. Just want to say that with COVID-19, we are trying to do our best to make an impact. We have our product going out to first responders to disinfect their ambulances and their, their PPE and their hazmat suits, engage a little bit more with some of the local, state, and federal government agencies to see how we can kind of expand that impact. So there's anyone in the audience that's watching that might be connected to some of those organizations. We're always trying our best to have a broader reach with what we're doing. So feel free to reach out to us. That's also incredible. Thank you so much. And it is so important that we all support each other during these challenging times. So we all appreciate what you're doing tremendously. And it's been an absolute joy having you on the show, Jason. We've learned so much from your entrepreneurial journey and what you're doing today. So thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Thank you listeners for spending some time with us. To learn more about Kinos, visit kinos.us and follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Kinos Inc. Now that is all for this episode of School of Hustle. Keep up with us on all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you stream and download podcasts. And if you like what you heard, please leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.